One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and, and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. When she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim you a way of salvation. But she kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope was of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace before authorities. When they brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered their jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he, was supposed, he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the Lord. I am excited to be here this morning and thank Pastor Amy for the invitation to be here to bring the word and also to participate during the service with regards to the confirmations. I was trying to think how many decades ago it was that I got confirmed in the church, and after I passed the third decade, I stopped counting. So great, uh, great day for all of the youth here, and uh, I applaud this church for your role in raising our young people and, and teaching them in the ways of the church. As I drove here this morning, uh, the thought occurred to me that there was a time in my life that whenever I came into Redondo Beach, I was holding a beach towel in one hand and a fishing pole in the other. Uh, nowadays, when I come to visit our churches here in Redondo Beach, I'm holding a robe in one hand, carrying my sermon in the other. Uh, how times change. Uh, this morning was kind of a stroll down memory lane. Uh, I got off the 405 at the Rosecrans, took it to Aviation, all the way down to PCH, and PCH straight here to the church. Uh, that was the same route that our father drove when he took us, uh, my brother and I, fishing out here when we were kids. 
And those of you who have memories long enough, uh, this is when you had uh, two barges off the coast here, the Sacramento and the California. And that's where we did our fishing. Uh, unfortunately, those barges went down, I believe, in the storms back in 1998. And uh, uh, we've had to find other, I've had to find other fishing spots for our son uh, as he was growing up. Uh, but I relished those uh, thoughts and those memories, and it all came back to me uh, as I drove out here uh, this morning. I also was expecting to see our bishop jogging up and down PCH uh, or somewhere. I understand many of you see him uh, jogging along the strand there on the mornings when he goes jogging. Uh, maybe he decided to sleep in this morning, uh, or maybe he just got out earlier than I, I drove down here this morning. <clears throat> Ascension Sunday, which is today, and Pentecost next Sunday, I've always said are probably the two most logical Sundays in the church. On Ascension Sunday, we observe uh, Jesus going up to heaven. And then on Pentecost next Sunday, we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven. So it doesn't get much more logical than that. You celebrate the upward movement one Sunday and the downward movement on the following Sunday. Having said that, uh, I've chosen one of the alternate readings uh, for this particular Sunday, which is the story uh, from Acts 16. Uh, this week's reading in Acts is actually set in the larger narrative of this chapter, uh, some of the stories which you have heard over the past two or three Sundays. Uh, this chapter begins with the well-known story of the Macedonian call, which the Apostle Paul heard, uh, this call which compelled Paul to turn away from Asia, which is the direction he was headed in at the time, and towards that part of the world we now call Asia Minor. Uh, this story is really a story of several stories, Acts 16. Uh, it has many stories of freedom in it. Uh, it begins with a slave girl who has a spirit of divination, and the spirit recognizes Paul and Silas as followers of God. Finally, after days of being followed by this woman, Paul casts out the spirit and her owners realize that she can no longer make money uh, on her back with her fortune-telling. Upset that their money-making ways have been disrupted, they have Paul and Silas imprisoned. In an ironic twist of events, her freedom leads to Paul and Silas losing their freedom as they are jailed. And then the earthquake, which would have freed them. Uh, this earthquake provides a chance for them instead to free their jailer and his family. The upshot of this story is that even in unexpected circumstances, as they go about their day, God is at work in the lives of Paul and Silas. And in that same way, God is at work 
in you and I, even and especially in ways that we might never expect it. For those of us who are here in worship this morning, the significance of this story is that it is guided by worship and prayer, even as it is a story of liberation and freedom. It begins with Paul and Silas once again on their way to a place of worship and prayer. Worship is also in the middle of the story as Paul and Silas, undaunted by prison shackles, are found praying and singing hymns to God. The story even concludes in worship with the baptism of the jailer and his family, uh, who are now set free from the fear imposed on their lives by the rules, the exploitation, and the brutality of the Roman system. The one who sets in motion the liberating spirit of Christ, ironically, is a slave girl who Paul and Silas encounter on the way to this place of prayer. As is so often the case, those who suffer most from domination and exploitation are the ones who recognize the liberating potential and power of God even before those who come in God's name. And in this case, it's the slave girl who continues calling out to Paul and Silas, seeing in them something familiar in that they too, like her, are bound, but also something unfamiliar in that they live with a freedom that has been denied her. It is a mark of the unfinished salvation at work in Paul and Silas that they only respond to the slave girl's plight out of annoyance rather than responding to her enslavement. And yet, the exploitation of this slave girl is not the only way in which the status quo is manifest in this story. Her enslavement is both physical and spiritual. The healing that Paul offers to her spirit, even if it is out of his being annoyed by her, poses a material threat to the slave girl's owners who profit from her oppression. Her owners then exploit the marketplace connection with the judicial system and bring charges against Paul and Silas, which leads to their imprisonment. The judicial system then uses its legal power and authority to brutalize Paul and Silas. And uh, the brutality of this system is evidenced even further when the jailer who discovers that Paul and Silas and the other prisoners have escaped and are now missing immediate con immediately concludes that it is his fault 
and that the only option before him is to take his own life. After Paul, Silas, and the other prisoners are set free, the jailer asks what is needed to become a part of such a life-giving and liberating movement. The story concludes in worship with the liberating waters of baptism jailed, uh, extended to this jailer and his family. However, as we read this story, uh, never far from our minds, and the one who continues to haunt this story is this unnamed slave girl who recognizes that she, too, is included in salvation's freedom. And she continues to call out to all who claim the name of Christ. This is more than a story of a divine jailbreak and more than a story of the main characters. Uh, It is a story about the love of God. Uh, The love of God that liberates. uh, The love of God that reaches beyond what human love is able to do. Uh, It is a story of the gospel, not for the few, but for the many. A story not just for the well-known, but for the unknown. It is a story that reminds us that God's freedom is a radical love. It is a freedom, it is a love that frees people by breaking chains that seek to bind us. It is a love that is able uh, to knock down and crumble walls that seemingly are impenetrable. It is a freedom that changes our way of living, our way of viewing God, God who leads in a way so different from the world that we cannot help but sit up and take notice. This story reminds us that God's love is a love that will stop at nothing uh, to make sure that all of God's people, particularly those who have been forgotten and tossed by the wayside, are looked over, redeemed, and then used as instruments to free and liberate others. There are so many people in our world today who symbolize the reality that Paul, Silas, the slave girl, and even the jailer experienced. They experienced the reality of being imprisoned or entrapped or trapped 
in their own context. People among us who feel the reality of being trapped in a futile situation or relationship. People who feel trapped because of their employment status or maybe because of their lack of employment. Those who are trapped because of health challenges. Others who are trapped uh, because uh, their personal identities, be it racial, ethnic, gender, sexuality, or otherwise, prevent them from being accepted and respected by the larger society. Uh, the feeling of families who are falling apart, who are going through difficult seasons, struggling to live together. Uh, I know as well as Pastor Amy knows from our experiences that when people ultimately reach their limits of such pain and suffering and limitations, the ultimate questions they ask uh, can be summed up by the question, how can these chains be broken? The answer, I believe, at least one of the answers, is found right in this story that we have heard this morning from Acts. That chains of imprisonment are ultimately broken by God. God, whose spirit is able to break chains of imprisonment and free persons who are bound by the forces of life that seek to bind them. God, who enables people to sing about hope and freedom when despair seems to define the present moment. The ultimate conclusion of this, if you take it to its logic, uh, logical extent, is that if we believe that God is the one who frees and liberates people who feel bound and constricted and imprisoned by some forces, either physical or spiritual, mental, psychological, then we who confess our faith in God, as these young people have just confessed and reaffirmed a few moments ago, we then are those who must respond when God calls us to be instruments of the divine change. The late Cornish, the late Reverend Dr. Cornish Rogers, United Methodist pastor, a former professor at Claremont School of Theology, uh, once shared with me a story uh, regarding a conversation that he once had uh, during his younger years with his grandmother. Uh, I always hated it, he told me, that my grandmother was such a big fan of Abraham Lincoln, uh, because the reality is uh, Lincoln only decided to sign the Emancipation Proclamation uh, just so the country could stay together. 
he didn't really care about slaves. He, in fact, had been a slave owner himself. Finally, I told this to my grandmother, Cornish Rogers said. And my grandmother looked at me and said, I don't care what reason Lincoln used to sign that proclamation. The bottom line is God used Lincoln as an instrument to free us. In that same way, God calls us to be that same type of instrument that God seeks to use to break chains of oppression and constriction wherever the need takes us. The late David Haberstam, in one of his award-winning books on the civil rights movement titled The Children, uh, tells about a night in 1961 in Jackson, Mississippi, in fact, in a Jackson, Mississippi jail. A young civil rights protester with a stunning voice began to sing in his cell, and uh, the power of his voice, the song, reverberated, resounded throughout the entire prison. The cells grew quiet, enthralled by this protester who would later be known as James Bevel, one of the original freedom writers and founders of the movement. The prison guard from a distance shouted at him to be quiet, but Bevel sang on. The guard finally approached Bevel, walked up to his prison cell door and asked for the radio. No radios allowed in here, he said. Bevel walked up to his jailhouse cell door, continuing to sing, whereupon the guard realized that Bevel was the radio. As their eyes met, James Bevel said to the prison guard, you ain't getting this radio, not this one. And then he continued singing, the Lord is my shepherd. Halberstam concludes uh, this part of the book by saying that the guard, uh, he was not sure whether the guard uh, walked away in anger or possibly in faith. But that prison guard simply walked away and Bevel continued to sing. God is able to break chains that imprison us. Through the story this week in Acts 16, through the power of a slave woman, through uh, the spirit that resounded throughout the prison that caused the earthquake 
to crumble the walls and free those who were inside. God and God alone ultimately is the one who frees you and I and others from whatever chains it may be that constrict and confine us. Uh, we are all aware of the times in which we live when evil and ugly voices have found their way to the surface of our social fabric. And it doesn't matter what side of the political aisles you and I stand on. These voices, these spirits, these attitudes continue uh, to try and resurrect the evil and ugly pasts of our nation and try as the politicians might to do what they believe is necessary to bring calm and normalcy and respect back into our daily lives. Uh, we are reminded this week from the scriptures that it is only when we look to God for guidance and only when we are willing to take direction from God who guides us that we can be a congregation a community, a city, a nation that is respectful, tolerant, but most importantly, loving of each other. Love not in the romantic sense, which we are so often um, want to think about love, but love in the sense that it is defined in the New Testament, a love which says, I will be there for you no matter what it takes, no matter what I must do. God reminds us through this story given to us this week that God is able, as the old spiritual says, God is able to do that which we are not able to do, to break through walls, to undo chains, to shatter barriers, and to bring together all of God's people into the community God has created and God continues to sustain. As our bishop likes to say, be the hope, be the hope that God intends us to be so that we as the church can continue to be the hope in this world, 
in which we find ourselves at this moment. Thanks be to God. Amen.